Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 10. Today we're joined by Matt Eagleson, a good buddy of mine from back home. Matt will share a few of his stories from his recent public land elk hunting trip in Montana and the story of the toad Pennsylvania mountain buck he took this fall. Welcome to the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 10. Today, we're joined by a good friend of mine, Matt Eagleson. I'm super stoked to have Matt on. He's a buddy of mine from back home, a Bedford County boy. Um, Always excited to have folks on from back home. And this is actually going to be our first, I guess you could call it our first hunter profile. But Matt is a good dude. Super excited to have him on, have him share a few of his stories. He's one of those guys from the Pennsylvania area where I grew up where he seems to consistently be able to take really nice deer, uh, which for Pennsylvania in a high-pressured state, especially when you're hunting mountain ground type of areas, is a challenge to do, and he seems to be able to do it uh, with relative uh, frequency, uh, which is awesome. And then he also is a, is a guy who does a lot of out west hunting as well. Um, he's If you've heard me mention in past podcasts about planning my trip out west for next year, he is the fellow who will be taking me out for my first trip. So he has a couple great stories to tell, tell one whitetail, one elk, uh, and we're really looking forward to having him share those stories. But before we dive into conversation with Matt, I am joined, as always, no funny business here, Phil Marchek. Mm, no funny business this week, huh? You're throwing me off my game. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. No funny business. I uh, I might not have had enough uh, social lubricant, shall we say, for the, for the funny business quite yet. I you have know, a big... feeling by the time this is over, the social lubricant will be, um, let's aptly, say, aptly yeah, applied. Aptly applied, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will definitely say I'm I'm kind of excited about this this podcast because I know you've talked about your boy a lot and uh, and you've kind of mentioned bits and pieces of these stories he's going to tell us but uh, I'm I'm ready to hear the real deal from the horse's mouth. Yeah, so I know I I believe I shared the text message picture that I got from him. Yeah, you did a week or so ago, and uh, you know my first thought was whenever he sent me his picture was where are you hunting. And then he texts me, oh, this is at home. And uh, 
I, I, I might have thought he was lying for a brief moment, <laughs> but Matt isn't the type of type of guy to kind of pull your leg. He's pretty serious about hunting. So when he sends me a picture or something and says, this is what I took down, down a, uh, from across the street from his house, nonetheless, um, I knew it was, uh, was for real. Um, but I've seen pictures of game or game camera pictures and I've seen stuff that he's taken down in that area previously. And I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, some guys in that area will hunt most of their life and not see those type of deer ever. And he's just one of those guys where he has that knack where he seems to be able to get into him almost, almost any year. And so I keep kind of prodding him like, Hey man, you know, when, uh, when are you going to set me up in a tree? <laughs> we're, we're still friends, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how good of friends are we? Maybe not good. Maybe not, not quite good enough to get into a tree stand over on his, uh, over on his, uh, his part of the state at least. But before we jump into any conversation with Matt, I had a uh, Phil. If you had any uh, any luck in your in your voyages to the timber, uh, well, I will say, um, you know, we did talk about the whole family uh, hunting balance in the uh, the most recent podcast before this. Oh yeah, and uh, I think I'm a casualty of that um, last weekend and uh, and this coming and. Uh, so it's going to be at least another week until I can get out in the woods. So I don't have any big updates, although I'm expecting some new gear coming in the mail soon. So very nice. That's always uh, excited. Keep me posted if you would, please. Absolutely. I uh, I did manage to get out. Of course, there was some balancing of family time uh, this this time as well. It was uh, for me. It was some some fun balancing. You know, fortunately, it was uh, my daughters. I've mentioned in in past podcasts have has taken an interest to want to hunt. Um, which is awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, so we were going back home on Saturday. My dad happened to be up from North Carolina. And I think I may have even mentioned this on the previous podcast. Um, just the fact that we were going to be going back home. So my dad was in town, which was great. So the whole family went back so we could meet, meet up with him on Saturday evening, but Saturday morning, um, it was not, I won't say that there was a hard cold front coming through, but the, the temperature did drop just a little bit. So I took that opportunity to go behind my in-laws house. So we have our farm, of course, and that's 240 acres. And then we have about 40 acres behind my father-in-law's house, which we don't often hunt, but we've had a couple pictures of some decent deer running around back there. So I figured Saturday morning I would get up early, hit the tree stand, and then I was going to take my daughter on her first squirrel hunt. So this would be the first hunt that she actually carried a firearm or I would carry it in the woods. And then once we got to our spot, she would, she would take the, the firearm from there and see if we couldn't slay some squirrels. So I got up early, hit the tree stand. Uh, I was up in my tree stand by about, I guess, six. I sat till nine because I told her I'd be back around nine o'clock to take her out around 10 got back to the house, got her dressed. I didn't see anything the entire time I was out, not a deer. There was tons of squirrels where I was hunting. So I went back down to the house, grabbed Anna, had her uh, change into her hunting, hunting gear. And, uh, we walked, I figured I would just take her up to the top of the ridge and take her up where I saw all the squirrels where I was hunting. And we sat about, I don't know, maybe 30 yards, 40 yards from my, the tree that I had climbed that morning. So we get in there and she's doing a great job. She's being quiet. And I was really kind of skeptical because, you know, she's eight years old. Um, not sure how long she'd want to sit or how quiet she would be. And, uh, we found a nice down tree that we could kind of sit on, uh, to keep us up off the ground. And we're just kind of watching for squirrels. And of course we get up there to hunt squirrels and there's not a single squirrel to be found. This, and, is, uh, this, this happens. This yeah, happens. this happens. Yeah, exactly. So before, I guess let me backtrack just for a second. So the entire week leading up, I was going back and forth on, I was like, so I'm going to take her squirrel hunting. I'm, I'm going to carry my bow with me. I kept telling myself, I'm going to just take my bow. I'll carry the 22 that we took along and then I'll carry my bow. And then when we get to wherever we're going to sit, I'll hand her the 22 
and we'll just kind of wait. That way, if something happens to come by, you know, I have, I have my bow. So we're getting ready to leave to walk up into the woods. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm, we're walking out the garage and I'm looking at my truck going, man, I should grab my bow. I said I was going to grab my bow this entire week. And then just something, I was like, you know what? She, she, there's no way she's going to be quiet enough for there to be, a, we might see deer, but there's no way that she's going to be quiet enough or still enough that anything is going to come close enough for me to get a shot. Right. So I was like, I'm, I'm not taking it. I'm going to wait, I'm a, I'm a wait for it. I'm going to wait yeah. for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, I'm not taking it. So we hike up and we find a place to sit. We sit down. As I said, there was no squirrels anywhere, not one to be found. And uh, all of a sudden behind us, I hear this like ticking of, of leaves. And at first I thought it was a squirrel. So I kind of tap her. And I'm like, hey, there's a squirrel coming. No, there's, there's a squirrel. Not that it's coming, of course. You know, it's not like it's coming from three <laughs> miles away. Um, you know, and she kind of looks at me. She's, she's excited. She thinks there's a squirrel somewhere. So I kind of turn around. And I'm looking behind us and I don't see it. And uh, we were sitting just over the crest of a ridge. So there was a flat on top of the ridge where I was hunting that was in between two areas of thicket that the deer like to travel. And there was actually a known buck bedding area, maybe 40 yards behind where my tree was at, um, that I, that I found this summer and actually saw the deer that was bedding in it. So I stand up and I'm standing on my tiptoes trying to look over this crest of the ridge to see if I can see anything. Don't see anything. And, I, and the sound that's coming toward us, it's like at that point now, it's like, I realized it's like, this isn't a squirrel cause it's not a rustling of leaves. It's just clearly like poking, something straight down into the leaves, right? There's a distinct sound. It's like when you first hear squirrels, you always think they're deer. And then when you finally hear that first deer of the year that's coming up on you, and then you re-remember what that sound sounds like <laughs> when it's a single deer and they're not running, right? They're just kind of moseying. That's a that's a heavy squirrel. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> make a good stew out of that guy. Um, so I'm standing on my tiptoes and it's getting closer. It's getting closer. And just as I'm getting ready to turn around to say something to her, I see two tines pop up over the crest of the ridge. And so I, I tap her. I'm like, Anna, there's a buck. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I want to see it. So I take the gun from her and she kind of jumps a little bit. And I pick her up by the back of her shirt and hoist her up onto this tree that's down. But it's it's up off the ground, probably three and a half feet. She's, she's standing up on top of it, looking over the crest of the ridge, trying to see this deer. I'm like, do you see it? And I'm thinking it's probably just a spike. I'm like, a you know, a silly little spike walked up on us. It just so happened, like, in hindsight, we had the perfect wind. The wind was coming from our back from where the deer was coming. Like, he was clearly tailwinding. Like, when we spoke with Jake Elinger, uh, I guess maybe two podcast or the previous podcast. Right. Um, he was talking about, you know, seeing deer that were tailwinding and this guy was actually, he was, he was running a tailwind. So we had the perfect wind. She stands up on this log. She doesn't see it. And I'm asking her, I was like, do you see it yet? And she's like, oh yeah, there he is. I'm like, well, how big is he? She's like, daddy, that's a big buck. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like a big buck to her is like, it has a couple of antlers. You know right, what I mean? Like right. she's never seen, she's seen bucks before when we've been driving, but she's never, and she's seen ones that we've harvested, but she's never seen one in the wild, like in the woods hunting mm-hmm. in that scenario. So I was thinking it was just more of like, she was excited. You know, she saw this deer. So she's like, it's walking away from us out this logging road. And so since he was walking away, I was like, you know, I was like, you know, hop down, let me take a look. And so I hop up on this log and I look and sure enough, there is a really nice shooter, Pennsylvania eight point. (laughs) And he walked no less than 30 yards in front of the tree that I was sitting in until nine o'clock. And this is about 1030. So I was only out of the tree for about an hour and a half until he came through. And then he made a left hand turn in front of this thicket that was in front of us 
and walked 30 yards broadside in front of us in front of us and stopped. Hey Clint, you take your bow? Hey, you know what? If, if we were if we weren't in a public like format, I, I might have choice words for you. But I don't want to lose our clean rating on iTunes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain. I will repeat that no, I did not take my bow. He presented like the perfect shot opportunity where it would have been like being at the archery range shooting at a 3D target. Right, and he just stood broadside, licked the air a few times, turned to his right. And then just moseyed into the thicket that was in front of us and mm. then was, was gone. So, I mean, one, bummed I didn't have my bow. But two, you know, and I, and I said this, I think I posted on social media. It's like, you know, I'll gladly eat a tag if I don't get a shot opportunity at a buck this year just for the opportunity for Anna to see that happen in the wild because her eyes were as big as saucers. And she was just so excited that she saw that. In, in, in the woods while she was hunting that it's one of those moments where it could be that thing that kind of hooks her right right for right. the long term right because sure. she had she had that you know to her that success right and to me that success for her taking her on a hunt I was like I don't care if we see any squirrels which we didn't we did not see one <laughs> additional squirrel well there you um, go <laughs> yeah so but that was like that was a huge a huge thing for her so you know, that was kind of like the, the climax of the, uh, of the hunting trip. Um, we moseyed down the ridge side, um, the opposite direction back to the house. We sat for a little while. I think we might've hunted for a total of two and a half hours or so. And as we walked down the ridge side, there was a, a buck bed that we came upon, you know, and so I took the opportunity to point out to her, this is a buck bed and kind of explain to her what kind of makes that. So is along the side of a ridge backed up against a down log. It was a single bed. It was pretty big. There was no satellite beds around it, you know? And so then she went looking and trying to find buck beds on her own and she would go up and look behind logs and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so she was, you know, trying to figure out what she was looking for. So for me, you know, as a dad, it was, uh, you know, deer hunter, I came, I came away zero, but as a dad, man, I scored a touchdown for sure on that one. You, you, in, you tagged out as a dad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> tagged out as a dad. But, uh, but speaking of tagged out, I definitely want to get to our, uh, our conversation with Matt. So if there's no other updates to be had, let's go ahead and get, uh, get Matt on the horn and, uh, dive into some elk and some whitetail stories. Let's do it. All right. Before we get mad on a line, let's take a moment to pause for a word about our partner, Exodus Outdoor Gear. Today's Exodus experience is from Josh Fowler, who explains what their five-year no BS warranty means to him. So you, you don't offer a five-year warranty on a product unless it was designed and tested to last that long without failure the majority of the time. You know, that, that for me as a customer, that five-year warranty tells me loud and clear that this is a rugged, robust camera unlike anything else in the market and was built to last. It's just, it's an enormous endorsement by them. And it puts me, the consumer at ease when I'm spending 200 or a little over $200 on a camera. Cause you know, up until I found Exodus, I was spending a hundred, you know, 120 bucks on a camera, hoping it was going to last me a year or two. I don't mind spending a little bit more for an Exodus camera that has top notch specs, top notch support, but I know is going to last me a minimum of five years. And you know, a, you know, as a public land hunter, when I have cameras on on public land, it's also nice knowing that if someone does walk away with it, I can get one at, at half off. I mean, these are things that they wouldn't be able to do if they were in you know big box retail, but their direct to consumer model provides them that flexibility. And I just I love the way they've they've gone about doing things. 
And that was an Exodus experience. Their five-year no BS warranty is absolutely industry-leading. And if you'd like to learn more about Exodus trail cameras, visit them at exodusoutdoorgear.com. All right, we are back, and Phil and I are joined by a good friend of mine, Matt Eagleson. Matt is a buddy of mine from back home. We grew up, we're a few years apart. Uh, Oddly enough, we've run in similar circles, and it took a while for us to actually run into one another uh, in terms of uh, the, the the mutual friends that we have uh, back home, but uh, recently we kind of met up and uh, we uh, made in a kinship over whitetail as any good uh, couple hunting guys would. Um, so super happy to have Matt on the show. Been wanting to have him on for a while. Just kind of worked out with schedules where he was able to join today. So Matt, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. It's been a long time coming to get you on the show. We've been it feels like we've been talking about this since uh well at least since this summer to get you on. So I'm glad you could join. It has, it has. Yeah, I'm 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 honored to be on the show and uh Yeah, I mean it's it's been a it's been a little while since we had a chance to see each other face to face and I know we've been talking about getting you on the show and you had a couple really awesome hunting trips that you've uh that you've gone on. I know you and I traded some texts and stuff back and forth, you know, and uh got a truth truth be told some of the trips you've taken have uh have have, have left me uh excited and, and ready for next September to get here but we will <laughs> we will certainly yeah. get in We'll certainly right. get into all that um, here as we uh, kind of make it through. But I know that I know you, you know, fairly well and in, in, in your background and stuff. But I definitely want the the listeners out there to kind of get a sense of who you are. So if you could just give me a little bit of background about who you are, you know, what you do for a living, and you know what you like to do in terms of in the uh, in the whitetail world and the whitetail woods. Well, uh, I work for the state of Maryland, so uh, I'm granted with a lot of time off. So with that and uh, I'm married for I think I think seven years now. I hope oh, she man. ain't hearing this, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I'm, all hearsay and speculation, anyways. Right? <laughs> Her and I've been busy with. Uh, we have a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old, so uh, we've been a little busy in the baby factory world. And uh, I tell you what, I couldn't do any of this kind of hunting with out to support of my wife which is a bow hunter herself yeah that's that awesome part. i i actually didn't know that when we first met that she was bow hunting and my mom actually told me that which was which is awesome yeah, that was one of the that was one of the, the seal factors and when we got together i was like are you serious or are you making fun of me right <laughs> but do you do you compete with her is there a little bit of a competition uh well, she don't like the cold. She can't handle the cold like I can. So, like early season, like right now, is just perfect. Right, right. Come come November when it's you know you have those not like last year, which I wasn't even here anyways. But uh, when you have those fifteen twenty degree days of no wind, she can't handle it as well as most. But that could be part of my fault because her clothing line might not be the best, but (laughs) (laughs) But we won't go there. Right. Right. Yeah. Without, without the support of her, I couldn't do any of this because, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I get a lot of time off of work and I'll take a day here and there throughout the year, but literally from September to December, I'm basically retired. It feels like anyways. So, yeah, I know, because I was just I was talking to you there what, like a week or so ago, and I know you just got back from a trip, and then 
you know, you, we were texting there late last week, or I guess mid last week, and then you were saying you were off this week. And I was like, man, you just full on retire when you got back from out west or something, <laughs> right? Right. So my man, my man off, hit the lottery or something. Right. Hats off to her, man, because for real, I mean, anyone out there that's married, kids, she puts up with a lot of crap. Oh I'll put yeah. It that way, when it when it comes to this time of year, which she's part of it too, so it right. it works out. And it's it, Phil and I actually were just talking on one of the podcasts that we did most recently. It was one of those things where we were talking about how we split family time with hunting and like all the other responsibilities you have, right? Because you know Phil and I have work just a, as you do, you know, and family and kids, right, you know, or wife right. and kids, and then you know Phil and I do the podcast and the blog and stuff like that. And it's like how do you you know balance all that stuff? And the Absolutely. one thing we kind of got down to is you know I was like I'm starting to incorporate my daughter into some of the hunting stuff, which helps kind of relieve that burden a little bit because I can kind of make hunting family oriented to the to a degree. And the fact that your Absolutely. wife hunts me is just awesome. Yeah, and you know her her and I joke around about uh, you know a couple years from now. I mean, obviously we have a, they're quite young right now, but uh, we plan on taking my oldest the first day of rifle season on just like kind of a little ground blind hunt and just to get her entitled with it. But uh, what's funny is you know we joke about bow season coming ten years from now, if not less than that. We'll have to get up two hours before, you know, if it takes 15 minutes to get to where we're hunting, we'll have to get up two hours before that because I'll have to set four girls <laughs> up in the climbers or yeah. ladder stands or whatever we're using, ground blinds or whatever, for me just to be ready in my stand, you know, 15 minutes before daylight. And that's I have, pushing <laughs> I have a feeling, dad, I have, I have a feeling dad's going to lose his prime stand location. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, but you know, I'm good with that. Yeah, I know. Right. It's like with the kids man, and stuff like that, it's, you know, whatever it takes to get them involved. So that, that's, that's right. for sure. So I mentioned that my had you know, I didn't know that uh, your wife hunted until my mom had mentioned. And actually, you know, one you know, how Matt and I met was actually through my parents. Cause Matt has known my parents, um, you know, longer than I've, I've known Matt. And so we go out to this barn, a mutual friend of ours who who throws these these parties um, during the summer. When I say parties, they're, they're barbecues and get-togethers. And you know, there's some you have a few beverages, you play some cornhole, you eat some good food, and hang around with good people. And uh, I remember the first time I met you, I was I, I rolled up to the to the barbecue, and I'm talking to my my mom and my stepdad, and and I see this dude walking around. He's got a Matthew shirt on, or he's got a Matthews hat on, and he had a you had a, I don't. I don't remember what color it was, but you had a Matthew shirt on. It looked like it might've been from like, you know, I know, I know Matthews isn't this old, but it looked like it was from like the seventies. Like, man, you, that thing got some, some miles on it. And, uh, I have it on right now. <laughs> I might not have ever it's seen got, you got, in any other it's shirt. Got, it's wore out and it's got pink paint on it from paint in girls' rooms. <laughs> so totally, totally the, appropriate. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I see this guy with Matthew's hat on and, and stuff like that. So I, I knew that you were a hunter and all the guys that hang out out there at the, uh, the barn at the barbecue are, are, are pretty big hunters and stuff. And I think my mom said something like, Oh, this is, you know, that's Matt. Um, he's friends with B and he, you know, he's a, he's a big hunter. You guys should, should talk sometime. And, uh, we chatted for a little bit that day and then I had to take off to come back to Philadelphia and then fast forward a couple months later and there was a, another barn party. And uh, I show up, and I think you still had that Matthew shirt on. And uh, and, and uh, I, I love Matthew, right? <laughs> as as do I, my friend. 
And uh, so I don't even know how it started. I remember how it started. We we were playing cornhole, and I had just gone to the races with with Buddy, who you know, for those who don't know, Buddy is a cut is one of my cousins. And uh, we were talking about hunting at the at the at the racetrack the night before about doing some you know uh, out of state whitetail hunts and stuff like that. And he'd mentioned that he was going out west to hunt elk again this year. And I was saying, oh man, I'd really like to make that trip sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. And we were just kind of BSing. And he was like, well, we should try to plan to do a hunt together sometime. I was like, that'd be great. So we leave the races that night. The next day I go up to this barn party and see Matt and we're talking and kind of cutting up a little bit. And as we're throwing cornhole together and, you know, Matt can maybe explain his cornhole skills at some point because they're, they're really good. Do you shoot it like a basketball? <laughs> um, you know, like I said, it depends on what time of day it is. If we're playing in daylight hours, I'm probably pretty good. Right. But later in the night on July 4th, I'm not very good. Dan's <laughs> not very good. Yeah. So we were playing, we were playing some cornhole and we just started talking about hunting and stuff like that. And I had mentioned, you know, that, uh, I think I mentioned something about wanting to go on a, a hunting trip or whatever. And, and you started talking about, you were getting ready to go on a trip out West and going on an elk hunt and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, wow. Well, I was like, that's cool. It's like, my cousin's getting ready to do you know something similar to that here in the next couple of weeks or next month or so. And, uh, Matt goes on talking about the trip and, you know, n- not giving me like details as to like where they're going to go. But, you know, he has a spot and so on and so forth. And he said he goes out there with a couple buddies of his. And I was like, Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, do you know this guy, you know, buddy? And he says his last name, of course. And I just look at him and I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, why? And I'm like, that's my cousin. I was just talking to him last night. So here, my cousin has been going on trips with Matt out West for, you know, who knows how long and have been friends for who knows how long. Yeah. And has been friends with Matt for, for longer than that. Um, and I'm just now getting to know this guy. Who's this, uh, who, who's this dude I should probably have known for the past 10 years. So that's how, right. that's kind of how Matt and Matt and I met, but I'll be honest. It seems like Buddy's world. been holding out on you. Yeah. Buddy might've been holding out on me a little bit. You know, he's, he, he's, he's a guy of very few words. If you ever meet him, he, he doesn't, he doesn't say a whole lot, but he's um, one of them guys. You definitely don't want to mess with that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a guy. If you, uh, if you're in the dark alley, you would appreciate that he's on your side. Essentially. He's, he's built, he's built like a bullfrog. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a vivid explanation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But so, yeah, he, just in talking to Matt during that time, like the thing that really struck me, right, and one of the main reasons—not the main reason, but you know, the reason we really started talking was I could tell how passionate he was about hunting. I mean, if like first thing, like I knew that this dude hey, was was you know, in it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna step on what you said. What Phil said about my cornhole uh <laughs> you know how how athletic i am at cornhole you right. start talking about whitetails and elk i don't care what the score of that cornhole game is because when we start talking about that and we're on we're on opposite sides obviously because we're sitting beside each other or standing beside each other yeah i mean the score went way downhill when we started talking about Oh, focus diverted. Yeah. Focus was definitely diverted. But I mean, that was the thing that like, you know, every now and then you, you meet guys, you know, that you become friends with that you immediately know that they have a, a passion like you do that just is, it's hard to explain, you know, and that kind of leads me like the, the one thing I wanted to ask you, right. It was, 
you know, that passion that you have for hunting, for whitetail hunting, for elk hunting, all those things, like, where did that start? Like, where did, when did you, I guess, who got you into hunting and, and where did that passion come from? Well, you know, it, it definitely started with my dad and, uh, you know, when I was a kid and we went rifle hunting, obviously when, you know, in Pennsylvania, you couldn't start hunting until you were 12 at the time. And that would have been, let me think, 18 years ago because I'm 30 now. Right. If the math is right on that. But, uh, you know, and I remember telling my dad, and I remember the first day of rifle season when I was 12, and I don't know where this came from, but this is way before the antler restriction. But I was like, Dad, I don't want to kill a deer until I can throw an arrow through the antlers, and the antlers will hold my arrow. So I'm 12 years old, probably... 70 pounds, I don't even know. But, you know, I got my dad looking at me like, really? So, long story short, you know, I remember the first day, he probably woke me up. I mean, in the morning, you got your morning hunt, and then you you have that afternoon where you're kind of like a 12-year-old sleeping in the street stand. Right. And uh, he wakes me up, I think, and – there's a spike there and he's like flipping out, like, shoot it, shoot it. I'm like, dad, I don't want to shoot it. And I, I've never killed a deer in my life. And, uh, long story short, obviously I didn't kill it. And, uh, it wasn't until I was 15 years old. And dad, dad introduced bow hunting to me when I was like 14. I think he, he was trying to wait until I was a little bit mature as before the bows were real acceptable to a, a youth hunter. You know, where they can really go from a draw length and a weight limit to from one size fits all kind of thing. Right. So I think I was, I was 14. I didn't kill that year. And then when I was 15, I, I kept to that because from 12 to 15, I'm passing up little bucks. I've never killed a deer. And uh, I killed a 96-inch 11-point. <laughs> nice. So It's not I bad mean, for the first deer. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I'm I'm 100 percent proud of that deer. But I mean, 11 point that scores 96 inches is not very big. But right for 11 point. <laughs> right. Right. But I'm I'm telling you, I was I could throw my I could throw the the uh, arrow through the antlers, and ever since that day, I, it just I I was born at that time with antler. I was addicted to antler growth and, you know, and that was way before the antler restriction in Pennsylvania even started. So, I mean, from, but dad, dad, obviously he was the one that he, he molded me to, to whitetail hunting for sure. And there was a lot of trial and error in them years, obviously. Right. (laughs) The one thing I think is super cool. I mean, you know, it's, and I got to meet your dad briefly. He's, He's a funny, he's a funny guy. Um, we, uh, you know, I, I know that you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys go out West together. And I think that's awesome that you guys still not only hunt when you're at home together and stuff like that, but like taking those trips out there, you know, going out West and him, you know, you guys being able to share that. That's, I mean, that's awesome that you guys get to do that together. Yeah. Right. Um, actually that, that story, um, I think he went out in 96 to Colorado with a couple of his buddies. and That was the only time he was out West. And I've been out several times on successful bow hunts to Montana. That's another story. But uh, last year, 
uh, I went out in rifle season just so I could take my dad and experience that with my dad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was epic, even though Mother Nature completely took advantage of that hunt. I mean, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to kill, to, to harvest an elk and harvest a mule deer, but it was, Mother Nature was, <laughs> we woke up and had to put chains on leaving, leaving town. <laughs> so, nice. Mother Nature's funny but, uh, like that. Oh, she, my Lord. She'll get, she'll yeah, get you but, sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, when we're talking about the eastern states, I mean, don't get me wrong, we have some rugged country, and but you go out there, you don't know what you're going to wake up to. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So speaking of speaking of your out west trips, you you recently took a trip uh, out west on 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 an elk hunt. And for those that that haven't figured it out by now, Matt is the fella is my buddy that I'm going to be headed out west with this September, which I'm 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 absolutely looking forward to. And I think my wife's probably already sick of me talking about it. But <laughs> you uh, so you recently got back from your 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 elk hunt out west, and uh, so right. tell me a little tell me a little bit how that trip was. I know we t- traded some texts and chatted about it, you know, uh, briefly. Yeah. But like for the listeners out there, let us know how that hunt went well you know let me let me back up a little bit from uh share a little love with my uh my soul partner that i lost um back home i didn't lose him but um his name is luke shimer and uh well you know how you always have that hunting partner that you just you you always you know if if you're an, an avid hunter no matter whether you're hunting foxes or coyotes deer Anything in Pennsylvania, you have that one guy that's your go-to guy. You'll share you'll share spots with them. It's kind of like a fishing hole. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, he moved out there and in, in college, and uh, he's actually the one that I can uh, I got to give credit to for pulling me out there in 2010. And uh, he graduated high school, or yeah, high school. He graduated college that day, September 15th, 2010. Me and Buddy, your cousin, mm-hmm. were out there, and he wasn't, he wasn't, we weren't supposed to hunt that day. We just arrived um, September 14th, and um, <laughs> September 15th, we were just kind of screwing around at his, at his, where he was living. And we weren't supposed to hunt that day. And, well, Luke got done with his finals for college, like, at 11. So he calls me. He's like, meet me in town. And uh, he's like, we're going to hunt this evening. Well, sure enough, now this don't happen to everyone. And, you know, I spent four hours in Montana wilderness and killed my biggest bull of my life to this date. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because of him so i want i want to honor him because he was my him and i were like i don't know when it come to hunting season no matter what we were hunting whether it's fox coyotes deer i mean anything in pennsylvania whether it comes to small game big game the groundhog hunting i mean him and i were like 
inseparable. And then he leaves and goes to Montana. So I got to thank him for even getting me out there. Because, I mean, not everyone has that kind of connection. Right. And then, I mean, it kind of, by by default, it's like I almost have to give him a, give him a, uh, give him a thank you too. Cause otherwise, you know, without meeting you and you having that connection there, it's like, I probably wouldn't be making my trip next year. Absolutely. And he's definitely guided me to where I am today, where I'm doing it on my own. Now, granted, we, we hook up and do some hunting and hang out, but you know, without him, I don't think I'd have had the courage to go out there on a DIY boat hunt for my first time ever elk hunting. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I got to give a shout out to him. And then, uh, so at any rate, I've had some success from 2010 to now, but this year, Luke actually drew a, a 1% tag, they call it in Montana, where it's like, uh, it's a unit where it's trophy bulls only. So I actually didn't get to spend any time with him out here this year. And, uh, so me and Buddy go to my spots that, you know, we have kind of GPS and, or go to spots, but uh, I think the full moon had something to do with it. Uh, the elk weren't really acting crazy. Um, I had some opportunities earlier in my hunt to kill. Uh, I shouldn't say kill. I had some shot opportunities at smaller bulls in my hunt. and uh, Me and Buddy prepped all summer long. And my dad. I, should, I, I can't leave him out. I mean, we... We prepped cardio-wise, I mean, all summer long, and then uh, shooting and all all your preparation work. And, you know, we hunted for 14 days from dork to dork. Just, I mean, to the point where (laughs) – I don't don't know how to explain it. You're – yeah, I, I, mean, had a, the, I, I had a high confidence level when I when I go out there because I've been 100 percent successful. <laughs> right, yeah. they definitely. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the word I want to say for for the elk, but they definitely made me swallow my pride. I should say. Yeah, they got the they got the better. So yeah, you sometimes you sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you. You know, it's like yeah, so, you know what yes. I mean. It's, but I mean, I, I definitely can attest, man, that you guys definitely prepare like cardio wise. I mean, that's one thing, you know, whenever you and I talk just for, for those listening, it's like, you know, I knew that you were how serious you were, you know, about your hunts whenever we were talking and like the first thing you said, you know, or one of the first things you said when we started talking about going out West and if I would want to make a trip with you out West was, you know, you gave me a call while I was at work the one day. And I picked up the phone and we were talking about the elk hunt. So I stepped out of that meeting and kind of blew that meeting off so we could talk real quick. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather talk about elk than whatever I was talking about at the moment. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And you were uh, and you were saying, I mean, you know, your words were something like this to me. You were like, I, I look for a guy, you know, if I'm looking for guys to go out with, I'm looking for guys who can handle the, the, the ruggedness of the country and are in shape and, and physically can handle it. And you were like, I, you know, you work out, you stay in shape. And I know you're into into doing this the right way. And, you know, into willing to grind, you know, for two weeks, whatever it takes to try to get it done. And so, you know, you extended the, uh, the invitation and they, and then I watched how you and buddy, the amount of cardio and your dad, I mean, the amount of hiking you were telling me your dad did for that, you know, it, uh, you know, not being a, uh, a spring chicken necessarily, you know what I mean? Like he put in, he put in some miles with some weight, you know what I mean? On, on his back to get ready. Yeah. My, my dad's 66 and, uh, 
this is his third time out west, and I'm telling you right now, I've I've never been more proud of him for getting getting ready. Now, granted, we didn't hunt together. I kind of put him in them spots where you'd be hunting elk like like you would deer, right. but to get to them spots to hunt them like deer is still a lot of effort. And uh, you know, the the amount of effort that me and Buddy put in prior to the trip and during the trip, and then on the last day. To make a long story short, I was within 85 yards of a world-class bull. I actually have pictures of it, and my buddy and another friend of mine that I've met out west uh, put that bull at 360 minimum. And, uh, you know, I was within 85 yards. Buddy was behind me. It was kind of one of those situations where it was pouring down rain. We've already logged eight, at, or eight miles that day. Uh I thought he was looking through me and he was through the brush and I couldn't, I couldn't like turn around and say something to Buddy because he was this close to me. So obviously between me and him hunting together our whole lives, I'm, I'm kind of like, I just, I slide my pack off real slow and then I, my binoculars are inside my first layer of clothing. And for 15 minutes, I stay at a standstill because I think this bull is looking at me. And, uh, you know, long story short, with that, I finally get my monoculars out. I get them on so slowly that it's like it's ridiculous. Like my arms are shaking because I'm moving so slow, and and then I couldn't even see through them because they're all fogged up from being along my chest and then inside my first layer. So I finally get them wiped off. I get a good look at this bull and I notice that he's not looking at me, but he's he's constantly scanning, but. It, at the time, I think he's looking at me. Finally, I'm able to see through my binocs just enough to where I could see him that he's not looking at me. Well, after the whole scenario, Buddy said this whole thing took, from when I seen him to when I got up to him, took an hour. So I moved roughly 40 yards in an hour. Every time he'd scan, I'd take a step. And then finally got up to him and I'm on my last pine tree that I, I have a clear for a shot and I have a little pocket through the pine tree where I could glass I could uh, throw my swat and, or yeah I could throw my range finder on him and uh I can see his whole body exposed he's looking downhill it's just like it's perfect I'm at this point I'm like this is gonna happen I have two steps to take and this this shot's gonna happen so I, I range him at 45 yards I draw my bow and now I'm now I'm walking backwards because I have two steps to get to his body, you know, for for an opening. So I draw back, I take one step, and he stands up, and I'm like, "What the heck?" So I'm like, <laughs> at, at, at the time, it's easy to do a Monday morning quarterback kind of like you know, come up with excuses or why I didn't do this or why I do that. But I was I was so careful for an hour. At getting within 40 yards of him. And, uh, so at that time, he, he had no idea I was there, but, uh, anyone that's elk hunted knows that one of them animals can take three steps and there are three steps to them. It feels like 10 yards. Right. So he gets up. I'm at full draw at this whole time. He gets up, takes like two or three steps, shakes off like a dog that just jumped in the water. <laughs> And then does a does a soft bugle to the point where I couldn't even 
like if you were 200 yards from this elk, you would not you would not hurt the bugle. Seven cows get up. So I feel I feel like I did a good job by getting past seven cows because I just walked past seven cows on this sneak. <laughs> so they get up and they're kind of feeding. They're like 30 yards from me. So at this point, I can't move at all. And I was hoping that they would kind of start feeding towards me. Well, he just started walking out the timber line away from me, and I never did get a shot. And I tell you what, after the hunt, I walked back to Buddy. This is literally – we actually stayed an extra day than we were supposed to at this point, according to our wives. You know, right. we, <laughs> we were supposed to be home a day before we were. And, you know, all we could do was fist bump each other. I mean, we left it on the we left it on the mountain. We did everything we could to kill mature elk. We had opportunities on smaller bulls, but we've already been there, done that. And any, you know, you talk to a lot of guys like, oh, you got to kill the first thing you see, especially when you're from the east. But I tell you what, I've never been more satisfied with not killing an animal than I was this year because I mean, we left it on the mountain. Well, man, that experience you had too is like one of those things that, I mean, you did everything but the, but the, but the final number there, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Especially since I've never been that close, that close of an encounter on a herd bull. So that man, and the size of that bull on public land DIY, I mean, that's, that's a, there's not a lot of people that get that opportunity in that scenario. Absolutely. And that, that last day on the last evening pouring down rain was so satisfying that I, I mean, I can't, words can't explain it, man. It was just, it was epic. Nice. You know, I was actually, I was actually going to say for, even for not coming away with, with a trophy, epic is the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, I'll put it this way. Like Clint, Clint was kind of like teasing when him and I were talking before about this, the story that you had and that he wanted to have you want to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to hear about it too, man. You definitely, definitely lived up to the legend. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, anyone's out there listening that that loves turkey hunting in Pennsylvania, picture your your best day in the woods, turkey hunting, and put it. I mean, picture a 900 pound turkey coming through the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that is how they act, right? For real, nice. So, but so so whenever we were talking after you got back, it was uh, you know tell the folks out there who are listening why why you're ditching me in uh, in November for Ohio or in, in, on my Ohio trip. What's it, what's this now? So it says tell uh, tell the folks out there listening why or how or, or why you're ditching me on the Ohio trip. Oh, ditching. <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> Well, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to put a textbook hunt together already the first week of archery season in Pennsylvania. So I gave the I gave the wife an op, uh, an option. I said I'm either going to Ohio bow hunting whitetails or I'm going back out to Montana on a rifle hunt. And she's like, and and she's not used to me coming home without filling a pack. So. Right off the bat, she's like, you got to find a way to get back out west and fill a tag at least, whether it be a cow or whatever, just to fill the freezer because that elk meat, you can't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I'm ditching you, Clint. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's like there's no offense, man. I, I would ditch me too. Yeah, Clint, I gotta I gotta stand with him on that one, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, no, not even, not even. It's not even a, has anything to do with uh, whitetail hunting or or elk hunting. If it came if it came down to me, just the scenery is worth the trip. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it's just you know we're not used to it. It's yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, so, I, I like I like the theory that it's just because it's really just because of Clint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that theory better. <laughs> I heard I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big jerk. It's yeah. a, I, I bust on Phil all the time, so I mean, I guess it's it's it's, it's fair that I'm getting busted on this time. <laughs> But so you mentioned something there that I wanted to I wanted to touch on a little bit. So you had a uh, an awesome whitetail hunt this uh, this year, and I know that you and I looked at you shared some game camera pictures with me over the course of the summer, and you got some some great deer out in your area, which is you know for those who are listening from Pennsylvania, man, it's you know you can get it done in in, in PA, and it's I think that's one of the things that. Um, is, is interesting about some of, some of the hunts because it's, you're one of the few guys that I know who, who get it done, you know, on good deer, on mature deer in, in PA. Cause that's, that's a challenge. You know what I mean? It's the, there's not a Absolutely. ton of mature deer, deer around. So if you can, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, where you typically hunt whitetail when you're, you know, your, your prime hunting locations and, and what the terrain is, terrain is like, is it, is it mountain? Is it, is it agriculture? Can you just give us a little sense of, you know, the areas that you're hunting around Pennsylvania? Yeah, I can. Uh, do you want to know, like, like first question? Do you want to know, like, um, I like this. He turned the tables. He's this, interviewing this, me now. Yeah, this it's, year's it's hunt. On you. This year's <laughs> hunt on how like easy it was. Not, I shouldn't say easy, but like it was textbook to the point. Or do you want to hear right. overall? What let's, do you want to? Let's hear. Uh, let's just hear in general where you've been hunting overall like while you've been hunting in pennsylvania just describe the the land for the listeners that way they can kind of get a sense for the type of terrain you're 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 hunting in pennsylvania i am hunting goat rock timber uh i'm I'm hunting the mountain so you know it's (laughs) coming from out west hunting you feel like you can be like you're like a navy seal sneaking through the timber (laughs) because it's nothing but pine trees and then you come back four days later and start our season and I'm trying to sneak through the woods and you cannot, you can't do nothing but be loud walking through the woods because <laughs> I mean, all the, the limbs and the leaves and the Jeez, rocks yeah. and yeah. Yep. So, so pretty much like out there, out there in the, uh, the, the area. So, you know, folks that are listening know that I'm from Bedford County. So that general area, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of timber. It's not like you're hunting, you know, a big agricultural area. Oh like, yeah, uh, like in Illinois yeah. or whatever. It's not little fingers of timber. It's it's big blocks of timber. It's it's you know absolutely. It's, yeah, I'm I'm hunting I'm hunting the Rocky Mountains of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I would, you know I'm not hunting the the private ranch grounds where I don't know I don't know anywhere in Pennsylvania really that has like the premier Midwest ground, but right. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm doing it as hard as anyone else can do it, I guess. You know, right. so I, let's get, get, I get I get picked on a lot about how I can do what I do, but right, yeah, I just I do th- it. I think you're part goat. I think is what it comes down to. <laughs> Not What's quite that? sure. I so said I think you might be part goat. 
things of what it might come down to. The, hold on a second, Clint. I mean, you got you got a friend you call the Deer Whisperer, and then this one's part goat. I mean, what's going on around your end? <laughs> hey, man, it's like I, I run I run with a good crew. What can yeah. I say? You know. Hey, all I gotta say is them animals got full drive, and all we got dual drive. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like I like to think I'm. I try to. I. uh I stay motivated in the gym and cardio wise because of my hunting life. You know, I'll just start right there. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I don't, I don't know if, whether it comes down to elk hunting or whitetail hunting in Pennsylvania. I know naturally we're all tree stand hunters, but if it comes down to there's no cooler trail or access road and it comes to the point where you're going to travel this far to, with a climber on your back or whatnot, or, you know, whether you feel like there's a little piece of property that you're hunting, but you don't know how to get into it, and it might take you 400 yards to get there, or it might take you a mile and a half to get there coming through the back door. I mean, I think a lot of that has to play in part two with my success, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one thing that you and I have talked about is just the how important it is, you know, and I know, you know, Phil is a, uh, a workout guy himself as well. And it's, you know, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, hunting has definitely kept me motivated to stay in shape, you know, because Absolutely. It's, um, Absolutely. there's nothing more than I, there's nothing I dislike more than whenever I'm trying to get up a mountain or trying to get into a, to an area. And you feel you know, good. Yeah. You feel good. Or it's just, you know, it's like, you don't mind, you don't mind the burn. It's part of the accomplishment. You know, it's like, even when we went right. out to scout Ohio, that stuff was so thick and nasty, 94 degree heat. And I'm getting through briars and it's just, I mean, it's like so thick. You almost needed a machete to get through. But I was just thinking after I got done with that day, you know, we went all day from, you know, eight in the morning till 5 PM. And I was like, if I weren't in shape to do this, like there's no way I could have spent that day doing what I did in that kind of heat in that terrain. There's just no way, nope. you know, it's, it wouldn't have happened. Right. So, so let's get into this hunt a little bit that you had here, uh, the other week for your, uh, for the, 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 the texting that we got. So let me, I guess, let me tee it up this way. So I'm laying in bed at about 11 o'clock. This just took a turn. Yeah. It took a turn for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it got, it got a little weird. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I'm laying in bed. Uh, I don't know. I was reading like a quality whitetail magazine or something like that because that's usually like my bedtime reading is a is a whitetail magazine. And I'm laying there reading, and my phone buzzes, and my wife hasn't gone to bed yet, and she's like, "Who who texted you?" And I was like, "I don't know." I was like, pick up my phone, I look at it, and I'm like, it, "It's Eagleson." She's like, oh, "What's he want?" And I was like, "I don't know. Let me look." And I open it up, and here's a picture of this toad in uh in the uh in the in the text message that he took and i was like where'd you get that and he's like back home here i was basically like you got to be kidding me and so we traded a few texts and then i'll and then he hits me up with the he's like give me a call so of course you know as any good white toe hunter would do i got up out of bed <laughs> that, that was the worst part about it is i had to i had to work the same day same day i uh achieved that accomplishment right yeah yeah no, that was that is, the worst part about the day yeah, because you definitely want to, you definitely want to celebrate. So I, I get up out of bed. Megan's like, you know, Megan's my wife. She's like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "I'm Eagleson killed a big <laughs> deer." I was, like, I'm, I was like, "I'm going to go call him." <laughs> so with that as like the precursor, let's talk a, a little bit about uh, the deer you took, and it's it started at the beginning. Like I want to start. I know you had some intel on this guy starting early in the early in the year during the summer. So let's start there about when you recognize or notice this deer or th this group of deer in this specific area well, that you 
saw this guy. You know, okay, it, it's short and sweet for real. But uh, you know, I, I put some trail cameras out, and at this time I didn't. You know, and in the summertime we had a real bad drought this year, so all the corn where we come from was like terrible. It still is terrible. And I don't even know how it's holding deer, but, uh, I mean, there's no reason why you should be able to see deer at the end of June in a cornfield. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So from, from a long ways off, we could see these deer, you know, in the middle of summertime, in the middle of the cornfield, coming out. And uh, so I decided to pull all my cameras from one property and to put them all in. I put four cameras out in this one property. Well, it was, it was back at our ground, and it's all mountain ground. And uh, <laughs> for real, I put them out, and I, I let them sit. I knew the deer were there. I was I was taking full advantage that no one was else was in there kind of screwing around in the summertime trying to get bit by snakes or whatnot you know talking to work buddies and stuff they're like how can you go all summer without checking your cameras i'm like well i'm just hoping they're there you know because i know they're there because you can see them right so you could see so what was your vantage point for being able to see that they were there could you see it from from your house no you could just see them from the road that's okay. how that's how you know but you know how deer are in the summertime they're kind of like what we call in pennsylvania their summer pattern they're not really worried they're not really worried about traffic or whatnot and you're talking five six hundred yards away so you throw a spot and scape on them deer they're not really i don't know they're not worried so right I let it soak. I put my cameras out there and let them soak. I did not. I, I knew them deer were in there, and as long as no one else was in there, it's kind of one of the areas too. Because this is kind of a controversial situation too. Because you know, you 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 hunt an area like around a town or whatnot where there it holds big deer. They can be used to humans, and they can be used to fuller trails, mm-hmm. and used to trucks. Well, I hunt an area that they're not. Right. So I just. I took full advantage that I was hoping that no one would be in there screwing around, whether they'd be checking cameras or just fooler riding or whatnot. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but, uh, I stayed out of there. So when did I you, knew there were, when did you put that? the cam? when did you put the cameras in, in uh, over the summer? I put them in, in June. In June. Okay. All right. I just wanted to I put, yeah, sorry. Okay. I put them in, in June and I didn't touch them from June, July to August. September to October, like everyone kept asking me because I, you know, I would tell them like, we got some studs, you know, and people that know me personally know that when I say the stud, I got a stud. So, um, you know, I just, I let the camera soak. I stayed out of there, even though it was hard, like on a day off, there was nothing else to do. The truck was already clean and waxed or whatnot. Garage was clean. The house was clean. Nothing going on, but, <laughs> you know, it's just, like, just sitting there thinking about it. <laughs> yep. Let's go check these cameras. No, I stayed out of it. And I don't know if that's good practice or not. I've never tried this, but it was textbook because I stayed out of I already knew the deer were there. 
So how many Drapple. times did you how many times did you see this deer before before the day you hunted him? I mean, we'd go back and we'd we'd look at him a couple times in June, and then finally we got like a couple rainfalls in mid August, and that corn just popped. It right. was still terrible, but it, it popped to where you couldn't see you couldn't see bodies anymore. Right. Okay. So I still stayed out of there, and then I was gonna check him before I went out to Montana, and you know. A lot of people listening, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but I, I just, you know, you kind of know, especially in the summer summer pattern, as long as no one's bothering them, I don't, I don't see them going anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, yeah, they're not changing their, they're not changing their bed to food pattern unless something forces them to. Yeah, right. So, you know, I just kind of went off that. I was like, you know, I'm gonna completely stay out of there, and I'm not saying that I did anything right or wrong. But I'm not saying go, not go check your cameras, you know, because that's exciting. It is. It's it's right. fun to go check your cameras. But I, I completely stayed out of there, and I had – my cameras are full. Well, <laughs> I checked them. I hunted, I hunted Saturday evening, Monday evening, Tuesday morning on the first three days of boat season, and then – uh Tuesday evening, or yeah, Tuesday mid-morning, like at 11, I went and checked in cameras, and I had this buck, not every day, but on a consistent basis, out of velvet, coming down this trail. So I couldn't hunt Wednesday morning because I had my girls. Thursday morning, it was like, it was so foggy that it felt like it was raining. And, you know, I went and climbed a tree in my summit viper, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's so short and sweet, but 740 coming rolling around and here he comes. It's him and another big frame deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was textbook, but it was another, it was another big frame deer. And I don't know which deer it was because I have a couple, couple bucks on inventory that are really actually nicer than this one I killed. But there ain't very many people in Pennsylvania that I know can pass up 139 inch eight point. So, so, so when that deer came up, so you, so you basically, you put the cameras in in June, you let them soak till, till October, which is, which is key. Cause there was no scent in there. There was no nothing. They were, they were snug as a bug in a, in a rug in that area. Right. Now it's kind of a mentality the whole time. Like stay out of there, keep the human scent out of there. Keep, you know, as long as no one else goes in there, which you don't, if you don't know that, no one knows that. Right. But that's the way it felt because when I was there, I checked the cameras on, I don't know what date it was, or October. It had been the second day. It had been third day archer season. It had been the first Tuesday. And uh, I checked them then, and I'm like, I'm going in there Thursday morning. Because I couldn't hunt Wednesday morning. So then Thursday morning, yeah, I went in there. And you have a four and a half. I, I aged them at four and a half. I have one of them 10-year uh, Joel molds. And I aged him at four and a half, and I caught a four and a half year old at twelve yards from my stand. Didn't have a clue I was there at seven forty in the morning, and for that to happen, I mean anyone that's been bow hunting a long time knows that you you, you just don't catch mature deer on the feet in the mornings without any kind of alertness. Yeah, he was he was he was comfortable. That's that's for sure. Absolutely. And the fact that he's four and a half in Pennsylvania, man. I mean that's regardless of the size i mean 139 inch deer in pennsylvania is 
I mean, that's a big deer. I don't care where you're at, right? I mean, some folks out in Iowa or in the areas in the Midwest, you know, they if, sure they grow really big deer out there, and that's that's a that's a nice that's a nice deer to them out there. But even out there, you know, 139 inch deer in in Ohio or Illinois is still a nice deer to take, regardless. But the fact that it happened in Pennsylvania, that's that's Absolutely. that's something. And I'm not I'm not I'm not like I'm not saying that because I killed it, but 139 inch eight point in any state. And them Iowa guys, Illinois guys, I mean, 140-inch eight-point is legit. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I mean, yep. and and I'm not I'm not saying that because I killed it. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, no, it's. That, a, it's that a, was the deer. That was the deer that came 12 yards from my sand, you know, and I had <laughs> I had all kinds of intel of them. And it, so it was textbook, man. I'll definitely say, yeah, I, Clint showed me the picture of it and that would be a good deer practically anywhere you went. So what was your, what was your initial thought? At, what was your initial thought after you, uh, after, after you arrowed him? Cause I mean, did it happen real quick? Did he come up on you behind? Did you, did you hear him come in? I mean, or what did he well, come quiet to you? No, it was actually, it was like, it was real foggy. So, I mean, the leaves were kind of like, I guess, moist from just the moisture in the air. And I didn't hear him or see him. I actually seen the other big frame buck first, because he he came. Actually, I was in my I was in my summit. So, and I always position myself in my summit to be uncomfortable. I don't. You know how like on the summits, the seat when you're sitting in your summit, your back's against the tree. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I always position myself to be. I use the tree as my defense, so I don't always, I don't ever sit to where I can sit to see where the deer are naturally coming from. Okay, you know what I mean. Yep. I'm basically constantly leaning on the rail or standing, right, <laughs> and I use right. the tree as my my guard. Yeah. Well, at any rate, I didn't see him, and he was literally probably 50 yards from me when I first seen him. But I seen the actual I seen the other big frame deer, and I don't know which one it was. But uh, when I seen him, I knew I knew which deer it was because he, he has one split brow, so he's actually a nine point. But I I kind of consider him as an eight point. But right. uh, I knew which deer it was, and he was just on a B line, kind of feeding feeding. I was on an acorn flat, and uh, I mean it was textbook, man. He he came in, my adrenaline started pumping. And, you know, any time that I kill, then I, I have, even with doe, I get a drilling rush. When I, when I have my mind made up that I'm going to doe hunt and I'm, I'm going to try to harvest a doe, I get a drilling rush. And that's what keeps me coming back. So, I oh, mean, yeah. and every, when I, when I try to calm myself down, when I seen he was coming, he was coming on a string line and I, I, I knew like he come right through, and when I was in that blind spot with the tree that I was actually in, I brought my bow on the other side, and I went to full draw, and I I kept telling myself, just like target practice, just like target practice. That's my <laughs> right. that's my talking to myself, calming myself down. Right. And he stepped in an opening, and it was about the most ethical shot you could ever take. Cause I mean, he went thirty yards and powered up, so. It was perfect. Nice. That's awesome. Things. That's awesome. Yeah. Especially hey, you know in the foliage. The foliage that we hunt. What's that? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Just finish up. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, especially in the foliage this time of year, you know, where you can't really see that well because all those leaves on the trees. And 
the experience from contact to to the end. I mean, he went down quick, so that was that's always good to me because I I hate I hate that long long drag drug out process. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. You want to anguish any or leave any sort of doubt that you know, oh man, this thing might get away or it's going to go off somewhere else and I'm going to lose it, like. Yeah, you, definitely you mean that deer? That deer? No, just in general. Like it's as good that that it, it ends short, short and sweet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's as in, I think as any ethical bow hunter. I mean, they they agree with like that. That was like textbook. It it really was. Yeah, it's a, it's that, always a good feeling when you can watch them drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always one of the best best feelings when you can see it go down and there's no questions. Like, I'm going to go up. I'm going to pick my arrow up off the ground. I'm going to basically walk right up to the deer. <laughs> I yeah, don't, even need to, don't even need to look for blood. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know and, something that you said that, that kind of resonated with me was that even, you know, talking about the adrenaline. And, uh, oh, and, yeah. and even, but even like with the, with the doe, when you, when you know that you're going out for a doe hunt and, and still getting adrenaline, then I'll tell you what, it's, it, for me, it's, it's every time you're, you're pulling the trigger about to release something on pretty much anything that's alive. Absolutely. If, you know Absolutely. what, if, to me, if you don't have that adrenaline, you got to check your pulse because you, you're either, yeah. exactly. you either have something going on up top or, <laughs> or you're dead. Yep. So. <laughs> or you're, you're in the woods for the wrong reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll, I, there's, there are days where I go to climb into my stand and like in the first five minutes in my stand, I have to calm myself down because I get the... <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I get in the stand and I get, I'm, I'm pumped and I start getting the shakes for like the first like five minutes that I'm in the stand and I have to just kind of like breathe and relax myself. It's like, if for Absolutely. me, it happens even before I, before I even see anything, it's like, yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. but you know, I look at it like this. It's like, that's just, that just tells me that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what right. I mean? It's like, if that, I didn't have that's that, why I you think, love it. Yeah. You love yes. the sport and it, that, it, it is a sport. You for know sure, what I mean? Man. So yeah, I mean, like I'm not gonna lie. If I know I'm not doe hunting, like if I know I have no, I have no interest on trying to pursue a doe. When I see, you know, you hear the deer or see the deer, you get a drone rush. When mm-hmm. I know they're a doe, I calm down. Yeah. But you know, when I know that I'm gonna try to harvest a doe, my drone's running just like it would be a mature deer or a mature white or mature buck. Yeah. So I mean, I love it throughout so speaking yeah. of the the mature buck so i'm assuming you have a place uh i'm assuming he went to the uh the taxidermists and uh Absolutely. Have, a, have a place p- picked out on the wall for that guy uh i don't have a spot picked out because i just put an additional on so i have a power room yeah <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully here, got, in the, here in a few weeks you'll fill it with a with an elk mount hopefully yes i have uh yeah i have I have six white tails mounted and one bull mounted and a couple skull mounts in the house. So, uh, and then in my garage, I have a pile of skull mounts. So nice. that buck that I just killed will definitely be in the house. Nice. Definitely. Nice. So, well, Hey man, yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, thanks for coming on. And, uh, I look forward to, uh, running into you here soon. I'll be back home actually this weekend. So maybe if I have a little free time, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to hit you up and maybe maybe swing by before I make my exit out of the uh, 
out of town, but I just want to want to say thanks for hopping on and sharing your story. And I look forward to having you on, uh, on again, hopefully here we'll, uh, have some good news back from your elk trip in, uh, your, your round two in Montana and, uh, have it back <laughs> on to talk about, a talk about a big bull you took. How's that? Does it sound like a plan? Yeah. Yeah. I hope I, I hope I can redeem myself, man. Right. Yeah. Me too, man. So, well, hey dude, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, Phil, it was nice talking to you too. Likewise. Looking forward to the next time. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today. We would like to thank Matt for joining us and, of course, thank all of you for tuning in and certainly want to thank our partner at partners at Exodus Outdoor Gear. Check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. As always, you can get all the podcasts downloaded straight to any of your devices by subscribing to our feed via iTunes and Stitcher, or you can listen to us on Google Play. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave us a five-star iTunes rating. We would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, we'll see (laughs) y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.